0: Thanks guys, well morning everyone, good to be here together, Uh, welcome if you're visiting too and you're here for the first time, Um, we're going to continue our series in in 1 Corinthians so have your Bibles open there, it'll be very useful to do and uh, the outlines in front of you too. I read about a club during the week, this club was called the Ejection Tie Club, the Ejection Tie Club, let me explain what it is and I want to just get my clicker first though. Got my clicker. Um, so the ejection cl- tie club. Uh, if you join this club, you've you've joined with five and a half thousand others worldwide. Uh, but you need to have done one thing successfully to join this particular club. Okay, you needed to eject out of a military aircraft and survived. <laughs> That's the ejection tie club. Now it's an exclusive club. Uh, you might think, that sounds like a pretty cool club. Imagine the stories as they got together. You know, imagine the, uh, uh, the, the, the near-death experiences, the close shaves they talk about, the, the, the bravery, the tales of bravery as they sat down. and Well, no, actually, there's no meetings. There's no meetings in this particular club. There's no dinners. There's no get-togethers. There's no award nights. What's the sole purpose of this club, you ask? Thank you for asking. Um, uh, what does it mean to belong to this club? Well, let me tell you. Reading from the website, this group exists for the sole purpose of handing out ties, neckties, handing out ties uh, so that or to new members, I should say, so that current or ex these current or ex service men and women can recognise each other when not in uniform. There it is. That's the purpose of this group, to hand out ties so they recognize each other of this particular group when they're not in uniform. The Ejection Tie Club. Amazing, I think. Now, friends, this is no exclusive club, is it? No, no, no. But what's our purpose as we come together? What are we we here for? What does it mean to belong? Uh, What sort of things are we committed to doing? It's worth asking that question, isn't it? I think it's a good question to ask. Perhaps a number of things are popping in your head now. Uh, what does it mean to belong here? Now, the question—this question we'll, we'll, this, this question, actually, is the question we're going to spend the next couple of weeks on in, uh, as we gather together and as we continue in our series in 1 uh, Corinthians. What, is it, what does belonging mean when it comes to God's church? His people gathered together. Remember from chapter 1, uh, his people who call on the name of the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? So, as I said, helpful to have your Bible open in front of you. Um, we're going to have a, a question and answer time at the end as usual. And we're going to pray now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, your goodness to us. We thank you, God, that you're God who speaks. We pray that we would he- hear you and listen to you this morning. Um, we pray that we would listen and put your words into practice. Uh, Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for the, the so many uh, generous and loving... Um, people that come along and that serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, once again, we come across the the matter, I should say, of food uh, or meals. Actually, I just got a little. There's my little picture. There's two people in the Ejection Thai Club. Anyway, I forgot that. But um, so we come across this matter of food or meals. Christians eating together in the first century Corinth. But this time we're looking at chapter 11, verses 17 to 34. Uh, Paul is more specific, isn't he? He's not not. He's not talking about eating food with association in association with idols anymore. He's, it's Christians gathering together for church, and as was the custom, they would share a meal together. So that's the, the context this time around, uh, as opposed to chapter 10. You see, meals, we learned a couple of weeks ago when we looked at chapter 10, uh, meals are significant. These Christian meals are significant. Remember that there's something spiritual at work when you eat and drink in association with Christ. Likewise, there's something spiritual at work when you eat and drink in association with an idol. That was a couple of weeks back. Now, back in chapter 10, this is 14 to 17, if you've got your Bibles there, Paul used this language of participation or fellowship. It's the same word in the Greek. So Paul points to the church at Corinth and us, To the reality of Christian unity and fellowship expressed in eating and drinking together. And it's based on our sharing in Christ's death. So he used the term a participation in the body and blood of Christ. So therefore, as Paul goes on to say to the church at Corinth, these Christian meals you're having which express our fellowship that is based in Christ's death, they bind us together. They ought to bind us together and are an expression of unity in Christ. They're an expression of our participation in Christ together. Now, the problem in Corinth is that their Christian meals were not doing that. Paul has no praise for them whatsoever. In fact, their meals are doing more harm than good. Well, these, these uh, Corinthian meetings are really an example of how not to eat together. So that's our first sort of point in the outline, when Christian meals go wrong. So let's, let's pick it up from verse 18. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt, there have, been, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's supper you eat... For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anyone else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. There's great failure here. A great failure in the the Corinthians fellowship. It's a failure to love, isn't it? It's a failure to consider one another. Division. It's probably based on uh, not so much on whose leader they followed, like in chapter one and two and three, uh, or, or who they, this sort of uh, spiritual one upmanship we saw way back when we started this series, but this is a division based on socio economic grounds. See, it was probably the poor who were missing out as they would arrive last because of the unpredictable type of work they did. And so they were the ones who were missing out. It was division based on the rich and the poor. The rich had time. Uh, They didn't rush around. Uh, The rich had time. They could get to their own time. uh, And then some some were getting sick and dying. Verse 30 tells us that it was greed and selfishness rather than serving one another. Their meals were not Christian. It was not the Lord's supper they ate because their conduct was so unlike his. And because of their self-centered behavior, the meal they ate cannot possibly be described as a supper belonging to the Lord. That's a more literal translation of that phrase in verse 20, the Lord's Supper, a supper belonging to the Lord. So how should they eat? How should they eat when they come together? What does it look like when Christian meals go well? I don't know if you saw that recently there's an ad on ad that's going around, I think we will be on TV soon if it's not already, um, and also floating around YouTube, it's the latest instalment of the lamb ads. I don't know if you've seen those, they're quite controversial usually, these lamb ads. Uh, it depicts all the world's religions or gods, and cult leaders, the works, uh, sharing what's portrayed as a most memorable meal together. Um, you could be highly offended by it, or you could just say, well, that's the world we live in. Um, the message is apparently that eating lamb will solve all the world's problems and all the world's religious problems. I had lamb, we had lamb as a family recently, and we had an argument. It doesn't work, let me tell you. Um, so, uh, but I was thinking, can you can you think of a most memorable meal that you've had? You think of one of those, you know, one of those meals where everything went well. You know, the company was great. You got one on your mind? I don't know, I've got a few. Uh, the food was. Just divine, you know. There was a view, maybe something like that. The conversation was good. It was a memorable meal. Might have been a historical significance. Um, perhaps it was the meal where you popped the question to your bride. I don't know. For Michelle and I, we were sharing some bread and some prawns you know, on pit water. There we go. That was where I popped the question. Um, very significant, very small meal. Uh, maybe it was a reunion. Maybe it was the last meal you had with a friend before they headed o- head overseas for a time. I don't know. A memorable meal. Well, Paul corrects uh, the Corinthians' behaviour by reminding them of the most memorable of all the meals that the Lord Jesus shared with his disciples, uh, what Christians call the Last Supper. So let's read it from verse 23. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11. For I received... For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's not forget the context of what we're reading here. So, Paul, in the context of in which Paul is using these words, Paul quotes Jesus. It's from Luke twenty-two, which we read earlier. Uh, in order to teach the Corinthians not to be greedy and selfish, that's why he quotes these words, and hence the important little word at the start of verse twenty-three: four, for, f o r. It's the reason why he's saying these words. The Last Supper shows up just how wrong the Corinthians' behaviour was. See, at their Christian meals, at Christian meals, I should say, uh, we are to remember Jesus and his death. At Christian meals, we are to remember his body and his blood. We eat and drink in remembrance of Jesus. On that most memorable of Christian meals, Jesus is telling his disciples on the occasion of the Passover, when it was Jewish custom to remember the Exodus, Jesus is telling his disciples instead to remember him. Paul has no praise for them because it's precisely Jesus whom they had forgotten. How can you claim to be eating a Christian meal a supper belonging to the Lord, and not care for one another. How can you do that? How can you claim to be eating a Christian meal and not be serving one another as Jesus has served us? You're not remembering Jesus. These are significant times, these meals together. How can you claim to be committed to a Christian gathering and not be serving and loving one another? How can you do that, he says? Their behaviour was not what it meant to belong. See, when we eat and drink together, now morning tea later on, uh, or, or, or dinner that we might have together, or lunch, or whatever it might be, or indeed our more formal meal that we share once a month in this service. Uh, it's a very small meal, but it's a significant meal. When, in fact, whenever we meet together, we ought to remember Jesus. We are to remember the basis of our fellowship, and as we do, we proclaim him. We see that... Uh, at the end of that section there. There it is in verse 26. And as we do, we meet together, we proclaim him in word and action. See, the basis of us coming together is, of course, Jesus. Uh, M- Michelle and I uh, spend um, much of our time and much of our days at skate parks. Um, it's uh, We're not actually scooter riders, as you might find that hard to believe. Um, nor are we skateboard riders. I used to ride a BMX when I was young. I was that sort of era. But no, no, we go there because Archie loves his scooter riding and we go to the skate parks and we, they're actually really quite friendly people. I know some of you can understand this. I know Kim's nodding. Yes, we've, we've been there. Our life has now turned into a scooter park mums or dads. That's what we are, not soccer mums or dads. Anyway, uh, so these, these scooter riders, so we went to one in Canberra yesterday, uh, the other day. We drove to Canberra to a sc- scooter park. Yes, call me crazy. Fair enough. All right. Yeah, whatever. love my son. Um, So we went to camp this one, and and I was thinking, as these scooter riders gathered together, you know, and um, what do you call a group of scooter riders, I wonder? Did they get a name? I was thinking, what's that? Scooters. Scooters, nice. I I I in my notes, a a nest. A nest scooter riders. That works well, because they're like insects. Anyway, um, so these scooter riders, they come together... And of course, they have a language of their own. So um, let me try a few here. Triple whips, it's not an ice cream. No, it's something you do with the board. Um, braai flips. So I thought that was a South African barbecue, but no. No, a braai flip is something quite different. Um, and then there's what, what's called yeah, braai flips and bangers. Now, I asked Archie, is this, this is like bangers and mash? Do you have a barbecue afterwards? And he didn't think it was funny at all. Um, that's okay. So they have their own little identity and their own language of their own. Um, they hang out in groups. They, they come together, of course, to the skate park oh, for one, one thing, don't they? They come together to scoot together, to skate together, <laughs> yes. whatever it might be. I don't know the right words. It's just embarrassing. Um, but that's what they come together to do, to do that particular thing. Um, that's the basis of them coming together, isn't it? Uh, and they love it. They love scooter riding. Now, friends, when we, we come together, when we, God draws us together on a Sunday morning, uh, let's not forget the basis of us coming together. It's Jesus. It's Jesus whom we love. We come together because we love Jesus. They come together because they love scooter riding. We come together to remember him. Uh, we come together to proclaim him. We proclaim his blood shed for us. We proclaim his body broken for us. It's what we do. Well, in verse 27, Paul continues with a therefore. Therefores are always important when we look, of God's, look at God's word. Their behaviour is not only an affront to the Lord who has died for them, but they are also sinning against each other in the way they're behaving at these meals. So, at 1.3 of our outline, serving the body of the Lord. So verse 27, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Now this unworthy manner, Jesus has already or well, Paul's already already mentioned, hasn't he, from verse 21. People are eating without waiting for others to arrive. Now, I did think that this was funny. It's a funny sort of, well, I think it's funny. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to preaching this tonight because tonight we, we have a meal every time. But of course, we have a meal every time too. So I'm wondering if no one will want to go first. <laughs> we'll all stand there going, no, no, you go first. No, no, you go first. Come on, someone go first. It's okay. Don't get carried away with all that. Um, but this unworthy manner is that some people were eating without waiting for others to arrive. We, it, it was this, that the poor were missing out, we've seen. And some were going hungry, therefore, and others were even turning up drunk. Uh, quite a scene, don't you think? There's no heart of service or sacrifice, is there? Now, pun intended here, their meals, their gatherings, were about feeding themselves. Of course, physically. And spiritually, rather than each other. That's what their gatherings were about. That's why Paul has no praise for them whatsoever. They have forgotten why they gathered together. They have forgotten what it means to belong. So they need to examine themselves. See verse 28? Before they eat and drink together, before they turn up to church, they need to examine themselves. See, we need to ask ourselves, we need to examine ourselves as we hop in the car as we head out or uh, perhaps the morning over when you're having your porridge in the morning. We need to examine ourselves. Why do we come to church? Why am I, why am I heading out this morning? Uh, what should be my attitude as I walk in the doors? What should be, what that, I'm examining myself. Is my attitude uh, selfish and even greeting or unloving? Hard questions to ask, aren't they? As the Corinthians clearly were. Or is my attitude uh, loving and serving and following the example of Jesus? There's a great little um, little book. I might see if we can we can get it. Actually, um, Brooke, you, you awake? Yep. You got it. There we go. Well, let's get some. Let's do it. Um, this is a great little book. It's a little book. You know how much I love little books. Right? I love little books. They're great. So it's only I don't know how many pages it is. How many pages is it? Probably it's tiny, isn't it? Yeah, it's tiny. It's a, It's an afternoon reading, if that. Um, but it's simply how to walk into church. Now, it's not, you know, walking in with a limp or, or a, you know, a silly walk. Um, uh, I mean, one Python fans out there would understand. Uh, no, no, it's it's all about what do you do when you come in? What's your attitude when you come into church? Okay? Um, and very, very helpful. We'll see if we can get some for next week. And um, they're, they're pretty... I think they must be pretty cheap too, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So... Um, Really, really good good book to think about. But what's our attitude as we, we come in? We need to examine ourselves so, so we make sure we've got the right attitude, don't we? So verse 29 says, they are not only sinning against Jesus, his body and his blood, but they are sinning against his body. He uses a different uh, understanding there of body, uh, a different meaning of that word body in two different occasions. They're sinning against his body in disregard for one another. They are not recognising the body. Now, the body... Uh, and we saw this back in chapter 10, verse 17, and again here in verse 29, is the church. It's us, gathered together. That's the body of Christ. And so serious is their self-centeredness and failure to serve as Jesus served us, well, God has already judged them, judged some of them. So in verse 30, some are even sick or dying as a result of these meals. That's not food poisoning, not salmonella. You know, they're sick or dying because they're not being fed. So, finally, Paul concludes with a more practical instructions as they get together. See verse 34, 33, 34. uh, So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. Don't jump in and be greedy. No, if anyone is is hungry, he should eat at home so that when you can meet together, it may not result in judgment. So, we actually don't come together for church for a good feed. Um, That's not what we do. Have a good breakfast before you come. What's most important is our fellowship together and our serving each other. Okay, well, let's ask this question then. Let's go back to it. What does it mean then to belong? What does it mean to belong when it comes to God's church who call on the name of the Lord Jesus? Now, we're not asking, of course, what does it mean to know God, uh, be a follower of Jesus, be in a right relationship with him. We're not asking what it means to be saved, to use those sort of words. Uh, we're, We're asking... What does it mean to belong here? If, you, if, we call this, if I call this my church, then what am I committed to? That, that's, that's the question we're asking. What does it look like in practice to belong? What do people who belong here do when they gather with others who say they belong here? That's a question that's raised in this passage that we've looked at today, and I guess it's, it's raised again in chapter 12 next week. Now... We don't have a, a formal membership uh, at our church here. Uh, maybe you've been to a church over the years that d- does have something like that. Um, no, no, we, we... The formal membership in terms of you know, written agreements, uh, a course to go through, and, um, and a, a function where you say, I'm a member, something like that. We don't have any formal things like that. If we can call it this, our membership is more functional. We don't use the term membership very often. Um, hardly at all, really. So it's, it's functional in terms of there are th- certain things that we do. You know There are functions that you and I have. If you if you call this your home church, you're a member here, you're committed here. These are things that you're committed to, say. Um, they're things that say, oh, I belong here, this is my church home, I'm committed to these things. They're functions that I have. Now, I wonder if you start to think about what those functions might be. What, what is it that we are... Uh, that a member here would be committed to. I think the let Let's go. Let's let's go through a few. Maybe maybe one would be. This has got to be right, is not it? So the first, the, the, first and foremost, you're committed to following Jesus. If you call this your church home, therefore you're a member here. You are committed to following Jesus and being a Christian. Um, it, so if you say you belong here, this is your home church, it makes sense that you are also committed to following Jesus. Uh, it's him we must remember when we come together. He's the one we follow, to use Jesus' terms from, uh, from Mark 10, for example. Now, if you're still investigating Jesus and you're not quite sure, um, does that mean you shouldn't come? None at all. That's crazy talk. No, 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 no. Now, you, you, this is, this, it's great to have you here. It's the best place for you to be. Um, you're most welcome here. If you're not sure, if you're still working out the claims of Jesus and you're not, and maybe you don't believe them, maybe that's you. Well, you're, you, this is a good place for you to be, the best place for you to be. Um, but it wouldn't make much sense for you to say, well, this is your church home, would it? Because you don't actually believe the things that, that go on here. I think that, that's, that's logical and fair enough. Okay, so that's maybe one thing. Um, I think two is serving. See, what we've seen in God's word today and again we'll see next week, that if you are committed to this gathering, if you call this your church, this is where you belong, then we must be committed to serving as Jesus has served us. We don't come together for uh, selfish motives, which is what the Corinthians' problem was, wasn't it? They came together to feed themselves. And we come together to serve one another, to remember Jesus. We remember his service. We remember his service on the cross where he sacrificially died for us. Now, friends, you can't do that. We we can't serve one another if we're not here. (laughs) It's true, isn't it? You can't actually serve each other when we're not here. So I reckon if there's a third, I'm not going to go through all the ones I've been thinking of, and you might think of some some yourself. You should tell me afterwards too. But surely attending regularly is one of those things. Now, of course, I'm preaching to the converted because you're here. I'm preaching to the choir. But still, it's very important. See, regular, can I just say, I I know some of you won't really like this at all, and you'll be okay. Um, But regular doesn't mean once or twice a month. It doesn't mean that. No, no, regular means you're committed to this, to this gathering. That's what regular means. Regular means coming every week. That's your commitment. That's what you'd love to do. You'd love to do... Now, of course, sometimes things happen. Kids get sick. You get sick. You go on holidays. But if you call this your church home, then regular means, I think, every week, because you're committed to this. But here's the simple truth... I'm going to say there's a lot coming up in the next few weeks. And I've been struck by it. You see, you can't serve God's church, this, the the gathering that you're committed to because this is your home church. You can't serve the gathering, you can't serve one another, as Jesus told us to serve, if you're not here. And you can't be served by others if you're not here. Do you see that? See, you can't love if you're not here. You can't love others if you're not here. You can't love God's church, this gathering, if you're not here. And you can't be loved if you're not here. See, remember, church is not about feeding ourselves. That was the Corinthians' problem. That's why Paul had no praise for them, because they simply fed themselves. So if you say you belong here, then you'll be committed to coming here and feeding others in sacrificial service. Now, I reckon there's probably other aspects to belonging here, uh, what it means to belong, uh, things that we aim to commit to that demonstrate that this is our church home. You could say being part of a small group. You could say praying for one another. You could say giving financially, all those things. I'm not going to go into those now. You can talk about them over morning tea if you want. There's a lot of food for thought there, isn't there? And some of you find those things I've just said really hard. Um, I'd love you to think about them and pray about them. I'd love you to talk to me about them. Um, I think that'll be a good thing. But we're going to pray in a moment. Let's pray that we would remember Jesus as we meet together. We meet in remembrance of him, uh, his body and his blood. Let's pray that we would recognise his body, that is us, the church, That when we come together as followers of Jesus, we would sacrificially serve each other as Jesus has done for us. So how can you serve the body? Um, That is a perfect conversation over morning tea. Ask each other, what do you do to serve? Okay, that's a good idea. I might do that too. Or you could say, "Uh, you know what, I don't do much at the moment. What do you do? Give me some tips. How can I serve around here? Talk to each other about it. Um, If you're really stuck, come and talk to me. I've got lots of ideas for you. All right, let me pray and then we'll have a time of question and answer um, or question. We'll see how we go. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, God, that you're God who loves us dearly. Lord, Lord I thank you for um, this church. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the so many committed people who, uh, who show us how to serve and serve like Jesus. Um, we, uh, we pray that we would be, continue to be a church that serves you well as, as Lord Jesus, you served us. Lord, some challenges today, but Lord, help us have some good conversations and, and think practically about how we can serve each other as we come here. In Jesus' name, amen.